following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. Uh, as, I, as I've thought about what to preach today, on this particular day, uh, I've been drawn back to a story in, in the Old Testament. And I know we've been, we've been doing this series in the book of Acts, and we're going to go back to that. So next week we will get back into Acts. I think that's been a good series for us, and will hopefully continue to be a good series for this season of our, of our church life. But just for this morning, uh, I want to do something a little bit different. And there's a particular passage, there's a story in the Old Testament that I've, I've felt pulled towards today. Uh, a story that has a lot of connection, I think, to to our church community in this particular moment that we're experiencing right now. So it's, a, it's in the book of Nehemiah. If you've got a Bible, uh, you, can, you can reach for that. If you haven't opened your Bible for a while, it's a good time to crack it open or get it up on your device. And Nehemiah chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. Now, Holly is going to come and read this chapter for us. Thank you, Holly. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns... All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him, on his right, stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Ariah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left, Pedadiah, Mishael, Milkajah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Mishalem. <laughs> Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted up their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Madiah, Messiah, Kelita, Isaiah, Josabad, Hanan, and Pelaiah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so the people would understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. The day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in a temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that it should be proclaimed this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. 
Go into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in the courtyards, in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from the exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and the joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Israel read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Good job, Holly. Great job on the names. Wow. Yes. Chose Holly specially for that tricky passage. Well done. All right, so let me, let me just place this story in the context of the, of the whole big story of Scripture because we're kind of parachuting into this chapter. Um, we haven't worked through Nehemiah, but, but this story in the Old Testament happens just after the Israelites have returned from exile. Okay, so the Israelites have been taken out of their land, taken out of Israel, taken away from Jerusalem. They'd been wrenched out of that context and taken to Babylon, 70 years in Babylon. So being taken away from everything that was familiar, taken away from normal life, taken away from the temple, taken away from their home, the land God had promised them. And they'd been put in this, in this strange land, this new place full of pagan gods and different languages and different customs and different manners. And everything was different. Everything was strange. And a whole generation of Israelites passed away during that time of the 70 years in exile. So that would have been a very disorientating experience. For Israel, That was a really difficult time for them. Everything was just turned on its head. Nothing was the same. Everything was unfamiliar. But they came through that time of exile, and then things shifted. Things changed a little bit politi- politically, and the, the leader of the, the country they were in decided it was time to go back to level one. And so they opened the borders, and the exiles could return home. And so you have these waves of Israelites then coming home. Back to Jerusalem, back to the promised land. Uh, People like Zerubbabel in the Old Testament led the exiles home. They got back to Jerusalem and they rebuilt. First thing they did was rebuilt the temple, the temple of God. That was their first priority. And then after that, Nehemiah comes and they rebuild the walls of the city, make the city strong again. And then they rebuild their homes within Jerusalem. So they've got somewhere to live. And then Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law, comes to town. And when Ezra arrives, he gathers all of the Israelites that were in Jerusalem together. Men, women, and children gathers them all on this one day. And there's this big assembly out in in the public square, this huge public square in Jerusalem, just beside the water gate, uh, one of the big gates into the city. And so they gathered there, much like we're gathering today. And Ezra comes up on stage, this big wooden platform, probably a bit bigger than this one, built specially for the occasion. And he just starts reading the Word of God. He just reads the law, the Old Testament, just reads through. He probably started in Genesis 1. And he read, and I mean, he read for hours. Like you think that chapter was a long reading. He read for hours and hours and hours. And people just listened. They just listened to Scripture, just listened to the Word of God being read. And he must have taken breath. The, the Levites came along and kind of explained the Word of God as he was teaching, and they gave the interpretation. But as, as Ezra was reading the law, something amazing started to happen. 
people just began to weep. The Israelites just started to cry, tears running down their face because they, they were hearing the word of God in their own land again, gathered together again as the people of God again in a way they hadn't been for so long. And they just started to weep. They're just crying. And they heard, as Israel was reading these words, they heard the law being read back to them. And they realized the gravity of their own sin. They realized how far they'd fallen from God. They recognized that everything they'd, they'd been through in this exile was, was because ultimately they had turned away from God. And that's why they'd been deported over to Babylon. They heard this law read to them. They recognized how holy God was, how unholy they were. And they were just cut to the heart. They were just, there was the spirit of conviction that came upon them. And they just recognized how deeply broken they were, how deeply sinful they were as people. You know, you have those moments when you just see it. You just recognize it. You just recognize what a wretched person you are before God, how deeply sinful you are before God. We don't notice that most of the time. We don't think about that most of the time, but that's what happened to the Israelites. They just, they just felt the weight of their own sinfulness as the law was being read out to them. And then as they're, as they're grieving and they're weeping there, and Ezra and Nehemiah come to the people and they comfort them. They start comforting the people and they comfort them with these words. They say, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's wonderful words in scripture. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and with those words, the whole atmosphere changes from one of grieving to one of celebrating. Suddenly things go from, from sorrow to joy, from mourning to laughter. And now suddenly this big party just breaks out among the Israelites because they recognize that even though they're so, they are convicted and even though they're so sinful and broken and they've been judged by God, they also recognize God has been so gracious to them. God has been so good to them. He's been so kind that he's a gracious God. He's a loving God and he's restored them. He's brought them back together again. And this is a time to celebrate. So this huge big party just breaks out. In Israel. And, and Ezra and Nehemiah just send the people back to their homes and the celebrations just continue. They spill over beyond the gathering into the homes of families. And they recognize that the festival that falls right at that time is the festival of tabernacles. This festival that they're supposed to observe where they build temporary shelters for themselves. And they live in these shelters for a week to remember the time that God brought them through the wilderness and they had no permanent dwelling of their own. And so they go straight from this meeting to go and find all these materials to build themselves some temporary shelters, some tents on top of the roofs of their houses. And they live in those shelters for a week, just celebrating and partying, no social distancing. They're just feasting and they're rejoicing and they're, and they're just having a great time being together with one another, back in their land, back in their city, back together as the people of God. The celebration lasts for a week. They celebrate like they've never celebrated before. And can you hear the connections to today? Can you hear? This is why I felt like this story was so good. It was so appropriate. Because there's these connections to this moment now and to us and to where we are now. In a way, you think about this experience we've come through over the past three months. You could think about it as a time of exile. That's not a bad way, biblically, of thinking about what we've been through over the past three months. It's like a time of exile. Now, our exile has not been being taken out of our country. It's been the opposite. We've been trapped in the country. But 
when you think about it, what is exile? Exile is being taken out of what is familiar and being put into what is unfamiliar. It's being taken out of normal and put into abnormal. And haven't we been through that? I mean, you think about what has changed in the 13 weeks since we sat here last. And we, we had an inkling of what was coming then, but all that our world has gone through and is still going through. Everything that's happened in our lives, everything that's gone on in our, in our families, everything that's happened in our country during that time. It's been like this exile. It's been, we've been taken out of normal life, especially during the lockdown time. Everything looked different. Family life had to look different during that time, right? Social life had to look different. Couldn't see each other anymore. Couldn't be together. Relationships looked different. Working life looked different for most of us, many of us. Church life looked completely different. We had to suddenly reinvent church. There's no, pl- no br- blueprints for doing that. None of us had a clue. But we just had to figure out some new ways of, of being the church. You sort of feel a bit like the Israelites in exile who said, uh, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? You know? <laughs> Except for us, it was, how can we sing the Lord's song on YouTube? It was sort of this strange experience. But we figured it out. You know, we, we figured it out and we made it work. But it was a time of exile. And it was, for many of you, a very disorientating time. It's a time of huge change, continues to be a time of huge change, huge transition, and turbulence across multiple spheres of life, and a lot that's going on that you're having to balance and juggle together. It's like an exile. But now, finally, the exiles have returned. And that's what today is, like this homecoming day where the exiles have gathered again and we get to be together again as a church. And here we are gathered like the Israelites were gathered two and a half thousand years ago. We're gathered here and we've been listening to the words of Scripture read out to us, just like the Israelites did, not quite for as long. But Holly is like our Ezra this morning, just reading Scripture. And there is something profound about just hearing the word of God. And we've heard the word of God this morning. And I guess I'm, I'm like the Levites, interpreting, explaining. And I think as we go through that, we hear scripture this morning and we worship together. In a way, the same kinds of experiences that the Israelites went through are happening to us. I think you can see, you can see the connections. In a way, this morning is like a time of collective grieving. I think that's part of what we're doing here. I think that's part of what today has to be, is naming the pain that the last three months have been. You know, sometimes it's not till you get through something that you're able to process what's gone on. I suspect that's the case for some of you today. It's a day to actually name the fact that the last three months has been really hard. It's been really hard for a lot of us in a lot of ways, and it continues to be really hard for many of us. It's been hard relationally and socially. For many of you, it's, it's been hard mentally and emotionally through this time. It's been really difficult financially and for many of you with jobs and a lot of you have got a long road ahead in that, in that area. It's been difficult. It's been hard as a church not to be together. It's been difficult in many, many ways. People in our church family have lost family members during this time. We've lost people in our church community over the past few months. Andrew Monk. First person to become a Christian at Shaw Community Church, Andrew, way back in the, in the late 90s. And, and he passed away in April. And so for Annie and the boys to have to go through that during the lockdown time without being able to have a full funeral, they still had a gathering as a family, but without being able to have the, the full funeral. 
Kimberly and Luke Munn lost a precious little baby during lockdown. It's the second pregnancy loss that they've had in the last six months or so. Just a deep, deep grief. Others of you have lost brothers and sisters, parents, and you've had family members become ill, and you haven't been able to see them, and all the complexity. I mean, it's hard enough going through that at the best of times, you know, but you've had the complexity of not being able to travel and trying to keep distance and all of those things, but there's been real loss and there's been real struggle. And you carry that pain in here this morning, and that's here, and that's something that we now carry together. And, and I think today is partly about being able to name that and say that we want to stand together and we want to support each other in that pain that we're carrying and that we're going to continue to carry because there's still a lot that's left to come. But we're going to continue to support each other. And it's been amazing to see the way. Many of you have been part of this over the past few months, even with all the restrictions, just to see people loving each other, caring for each other, praying for each other, providing practical needs in various ways and just being a church family together. And today is about saying we will continue to do that. We will continue to love one another, care for each other, support each other, and walk through this shoulder to shoulder as best we can. So there is a kind of grieving that is going on today, and that's okay. That's healthy, right? There's, there's a kind of weeping. You know, God weeps with those who weep, and we weep together and carry each other's burdens. So that's good and right that we do that. But it's not just a day of grieving. It's also a day of celebrating, right? You can't just leave it in the grieving space. This is also a day of celebrating. This is a day to hear those words of Nehemiah spoken again to us. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You believe that? The joy, come on, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is here. The joy of the Lord is upon us. You know, we're gathered as the people of God, and this is a day to celebrate. This is a day to rejoice. We have so much to rejoice over because we're together again as a church. I mean, that alone is a good thing, right? That's something to be thankful for. It's been an amazing experience for me, you know, preaching through Acts. And all this language of togetherness is just jumping out at me. The irony of preaching through Acts while we're not together. And you just see the early church, all this language around they were together and they were in each other's homes and they ate together and then they were together and they were together all the time in the temple together, in homes together. And maybe it just stands out because we weren't together, but you realize there is such power in togetherness. There is such value in togetherness. There is such joy in togetherness. This is who we're created to be as a church. And we've done all we could and we've connected as best we could over these last three months. But now we're together again and it's a day to celebrate the joy of the Lord. And it's a day to look back and recognize it hasn't been all bad, has it? Hasn't been all bad. There's been plenty along the way. There've been gifts along the way. Things to give thanks for, right? Things to be grateful for. Yes, a few nods. A few things, a few good family routines that have taken place. It's been great to see families walking the street, isn't it? There's things to give thanks for. There's ways in which some of you have drawn closer to God during this time. There's been new births into families in our church, new additions to our church family. I think four new families in the church that have had babies over the past three months. The Fords had twins. The rest, I think we're happy to settle for one each. These new babies, and, and you'll meet them soon, and we'll have some dedications, and we'll rejoice. But you know, there's been new life into our church community. There's been new opportunities. Some people have gotten new jobs during this time, surprisingly enough. There's been new things that have happened, new connections that have been formed. And we do have things to look back and give thanks for. And the kind of celebration I think that this is supposed to be, it's not just a, not just a party. I mean, it is a party. 
But it's supposed to be a celebration of worship. That's where this should lead us. You look at the way the people responded to Ezra as he read out the law in verse 6. All the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's the kind of worship that took place. As people heard the word of God, they were so convicted, they were so touched and transformed, they lifted their hands in worship and then they just fell on their faces before God, adoring and worshipping and declaring who he is. There's a spirit of worship that just permeated the whole congregation. That's the kind of celebration. Because more than anything, we're coming together with one another, but we're coming together before God today. And we're saying, thank you, Lord, for sustaining us. Thank you, Lord, for carrying us through all the ups and downs of what has been. All the highs and the lows and roundabouts and everything else. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your constancy. Thank you for your providence. Thank you for your goodness. Even when you couldn't see it, God was there. Even in the darkness, God was there. And when you can look back and name that and see that, it gives you greater confidence to know that God will continue to be faithful in the future. You always look back to get your bearings on going forward. We look back and we see his providence. We see his goodness. And so we know he will continue to be faithful to us. It's grace that's led us this far. It's grace that will lead us home. So we give thanks to God, we worship Him, and we celebrate Him today. It's a day of celebration. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's one final aspect of the story I want to bring out. It wasn't just a day of grieving. It wasn't just a day of celebrating. It was also a day of rededication. This was a day of renewal for Israel. As Ezra read out the law, the Israelites heard about this requirement to practice the festival, the festival of tabernacles. And the very next thing they do, they start going and gathering materials and building the shelters. They didn't just hear the law that day, they put it into action. And I think this is Israel at its best. You know, maybe this moment in Scripture, we see Israel at its absolute finest. You know, so often Israel is held up as a negative example. In the Bible, you know, they, they disobey and they complain and they rebel and they get it wrong. And we're always talking about how bad Israel is and, and God's trying to sort out their bad stuff. But here you see Israel at its absolute best. You know, a nation that's gathered with one another, gathered before God, hearing the word of God, but not just as hearers of the word, as doers of the word. And they live out that faith and they worship God genuinely, this is what God wants for us today, that this would be a day of covenant renewal for us. This would be a day of rededicating ourselves to the Lord. I don't know what your, your spiritual journey has been like over the past few months. I don't know how it's been with you and God over these past few months. Maybe for some of you, it's been great. Maybe you've had more time and you've drawn closer to God. Maybe for others of you, it's been really hard and you found yourself drifting and you just haven't really prayed that much and haven't really read the Bible that much. And you've just kind of gotten busy or just gotten out of routine and out of the habit. And you just you kind of land here this morning and just realized, man, there's this big chasm that's opened up between me and God. It's like maybe just inertia or maybe whatever it is. But there's just this gaping hole 
between you and God, and you're not even quite sure how to get back. Some of you are in that space this morning, and you've just wandered a long way from who God is, but you realize this morning your heart is to be renewed. Your heart is that God would come and fill you again with his presence. And you know where that begins is with confession. So it's, it's kind of a, an old funny sounding word, but this is where it all starts, confession. You look in the very next chapter, Nehemiah 9, the entire chapter is confession. Like here, That's what the Israelites did the next day and for following days. They came together and for hours and hours and hours, they confessed their sin. We don't even like talking that way today. We don't even like thinking about that. It just seems so archaic. But this is what Israel did because they knew every spiritual renewal begins with confession. Every renewal of every human heart begins with confessing sin and repenting of our sin. Maybe that is what God is calling you to do today is to come honestly before him and confess the ways in which you have just wandered away from him and let that chasm opened up. And God is saying to you today, I want you just to name that to me and just be honest about that. Let's recognize where you are. Let's just start by naming reality today. Just confess that sin, whatever it is. Some of you have got things in your life that need to be confessed today, that need just to be gotten out and laid down and and just being honest with God and saying, this is who I am, God. I'm broken. I'm sinful. There's things in my life I need to confess to you. And we don't do it just to beat ourselves up. We don't do it just to feel worse about ourselves. We do it so that God would come and fill us again with his presence. So that God would come and forgive as we know that he will because of Jesus. That God would come and renew us by his spirit. Pour his grace out again upon us. Pour his spirit out again upon us and renew us and lift us up and set us again on our feet and put his arm around us and walk with us shoulder to shoulder into the future. That is what God longs for you this morning. But it begins by coming honestly before him and saying, God, I don't want to just play around with you anymore. I don't want to just be a casual Christian anymore. I don't want to just kind of go through this nominal thing where I'm just going through the motions and just playing church and just being a comfortable middle-class Christian. I'm sick of that. God, I'm coming to you today and I want to rededicate my life to you. I want to be all in. I want to be so filled with you that I experience the abundant life that Jesus talked about. That's why he came, so that you could have life and have it to the full, have it in abundance. God's offering that life to you today. Not every material possession you've ever dreamt of, but being truly rich toward God. That's what he's longing to fill you with this morning. But he's saying to you, it begins by getting on your knees and naming your own brokenness. And then letting God fill you afresh with his spirit and his grace and his love. And if that's you today, I want to just invite you to do that today. To make today a day of renewal, a day of rededication. Rededicate yourself to God. Rededicate yourself to his word, as the Israelites did. Being men and women of the word. Maybe today is a day to say, I want to get serious about this book again. Make this absolutely central in my life. Today's a day maybe to rededicate yourself to the church, to say, oh, this community is going to be more important to me going forward than it was before. I'm not going to give the church the dregs of my time and attention anymore. I'm going to give it the best of what's left of the rest of my life. Whatever God's placing on your heart, how is he calling you? What's he stirring in you? Today's a day of renewal. It's a day of rededication. So here we are, gathered together, just like the Israelites were. And we're separated. I know we're separated from them by two and a half millennia. 
There's a lot of time that's gone on. There's a lot of cultural distance there. But we're connected to them because they're our ancestors in faith. And so now they form the great cloud of witnesses that are looking at us and saying, well, how are you going to respond? You gathered together today. You heard the word of God. We've worshipped. How are we going to respond? Are we going to allow today to be what it was for the Israelites? Is this just going to be another nice church service and go home, nothing's changed? Or are we going to allow today to be a day of renewal? Are we going to allow today to be a day of grieving where that needs to happen? Of naming whatever pain needs to be named and letting God heal that pain? Are we going to allow today to be a day of celebration? Where the joy of the Lord really is our strength. And maybe for the first time you experience the joy of the Lord. Some of you maybe have just got that hunger today for that joy. You don't have it yet, but you're just long. I want to know the joy of the Lord. I want to have the joy of the Lord be my strength. And are we going to allow today to be a day of renewal and rededication? We commit ourselves to God, his people, and his word. We see in this passage, Israel at its absolute best. And my prayer is that today and in the days ahead, we would see this church at its absolute best. Let's pray. So God, we come before you this morning just as your people Israel did in the days of Nehemiah. And we can see it in our mind's eye, God. That community gathered there before the water gate, singing, grieving, rededicating. And God, I just pray for what the work of your Spirit is doing now in every heart that's here this morning and the ways that you're just touching and prompting and stirring faith in each heart. Lord, I pray for those today who need to grieve, who have maybe just got a huge blockage in their heart because of all that's gone on in the last few months that just needs to be unblocked and the tears need to flow. And I pray today would be a day of healing. Lord, I pray today there'd be a spirit of celebration as there already has been. Lord, we pray today that we would be able to know that the, the truth of those words, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to know those words more. And God, we want to stand here today and say, Lord Jesus, make this a day of renewal for us as your people. We rededicate ourselves to you today. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Lord Jesus, would you come and form in us your image and your likeness. We thank you, God, that you've been so faithful right through our lives, not just these last few months, but right through our lives and right through history. And we know that you'll continue to be faithful to us as your people as we take steps forward from here. We thank you, God, that you are so good. Thank you that you are so faithful. Thank you that we are your sheep, the people of your pasture. And we thank you today that the joy of the Lord is truly our strength. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. 
Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.